And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. We're having a little difficulty technically getting a hold of Father Roger Landry right now. Uh, but let me comment uh, on a news item that Steve uh, delivered because it is an especially galling one. As he pointed out, one of the newest members of the Pontifical Academy for Life, appointed by Pope Francis, has been and is an outspoken advocate for abortion rights. She's uh, an Italian-American economist, Mariano Mazzucato, uh, known for her work promoting uh, the public sector's role in encouraging innovation. She was one of seven academics appointed by the Pope uh, just on October 15th, so it's, it's new. But there's a five-year term with the Academy. Now, Pope Francis says he likes her because her thinking is not ideological. She's not a supporter of state socialism. She's not uh, a supporter of free market capitalism. So that apparently allows him to think that she's going to be thinking outside the box on some of these issues. But let me, let me say, uh, no matter how you slice this, it's awfully difficult to know it's I'll just repeat what Robbie George said over at Princeton. He's a professor of jurisprudence there. He's been an outspoken advocate for the right to life. And, you know, we we don't know what the rationale is behind it. But uh, Robbie said the Pontifical Academy for Life exists to advance the church's mission to foster respect for the profound, inherent, and equal dignity of each and every member of the human family, beginning with the precious child in the womb. Either one believes in this mission or one does not. If one does not, then why would one wish to be part of the Pontifical Academy? And why would anyone, why would someone with appointment authority appoint someone to the Academy? And I can think of no explanation that is not shocking and scandalous, end quote. And so we're kind of left right there saying, have no idea why this happened. It's hard to imagine an explanation which is not in some way both shocking and or scandalous. Joining me right now to talk about Eucharistic revival is Father Roger Landry. He's a priest with the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts. He's an alumnus of Harvard College and the Pontifical North American College in Rome and is ecclesiastical advisor for Aid to the Church in Need USA. Uh, he has also been appointed to serve as uh, a Eucharistic minister during this uh, Eucharistic revival period. And, uh, Father, good to have you back here. Thanks. Great to be with you, Al. Uh, you just had a Eucharistic procession uh, through Midtown Manhattan. How'd that go? It was incredible, actually. Uh, we had beautiful weather, thanks be to God. It was on the exact 60th anniversary of the beginning of the Second Vatican Council, and so we were able to focus on how the Second Vatican Council tried to emphasize in helping the world to conform everything to Christ. Christ is still very much with us in the whole Eucharist, the source that I'm at the root and the center of any life that really calls itself Christian. And so we started there, and did the Second Vatican Council was asking all Catholics to do, which is to take our faith out into the streets. Yeah. And not just to take our faith, but to take the Lord Jesus Himself. out to meet the people for whom he lived and died. And so that's what we did. We started with 500 people at Sacred Heart of Jesus Church in the west end of the city. And by the time we got to St. Patrick's Cathedral, American Parish Church, where Cardinal Dolan was waiting for us, the gr it had grown to a thousand people. <laughs> and it, it was right during rush hour in the middle of the afternoon. The crowds were hushed on the side. Oh. Now, there were a lot of people who didn't quite know what we were doing, and they were asking the people on the side, like, 
this looks really beautiful, but what is it? <laughs> so it was a tremendous opportunity for us to evangelize with the Eucharist, because to be blunt, um, if we're ever going to share our faith in this gift of gifts, which is on the altar, the first way we do it is to be unabashed in taking Jesus out to the world he redeemed. And so it, was, it was an incredibly uplifting afternoon, and the way so many responded so positively to it was, was something that exceeded even our high expectations. That's, that sounds great. It certainly has to stimulate, uh, at the very least, curiosity, uh, what's going on here, and there's there's such a spirit of reverence that surrounds a Eucharistic procession, uh, which is not a uh, an impression that people are normally receiving in Midtown Manhattan during the day. So, No, it's not. And thanks be to God, the folks for the Napa Institute, who were kind of doing all the logistics for this in the organization, they brought these beautiful speakers that were coordinated and carried by individuals. So as this 40-person choir from St. Cathedral and Rockville Center was singing, as the Sisters of Life and other religious were chanting along, and as several hundred lay people were in procession, we're all singing Eucharistic hymns in, um, in, in unison. And, you know, that whole thing going against the noise of rush hour in Manhattan, something that was teaching everybody on the sidelines, even if they didn't understand it, that something sacred was happening yeah. right in Manhattan. And so they stopped for that procession. And one of the most touching things in my life is, you know, the Eucharist was right literally in front of my eyes. But in the Luna, we call it the little glass in which you put a priest's host into the monstrance. There was a little sliver of glass on the outskirts of the host. And so I was able to look at the crowds through, in a sense, the Eucharist. Oh. And what I was seeing on the side, there were a handful of people kneeling. A few people were obviously wiping away tears. You had thousands of people with their cameras filming it, even if they didn't know exactly what was going on. Yeah. Moved inwardly to just say, but I want to make sure I record this so that I'm able to show it to somebody later, <laughs> because you had phones yeah. everywhere. And, you know, some people recognized the hymns that we were singing. They joined us along the way. We had um, many with strollers and their babies joining us. We had the participants in this NAPA Institute's um, the conference there. You had college students who came down with me from Columbia. You had young adults from the Leonine Forum and so many of the beautiful Catholic initiatives happening in the city of New York. It was just one of the most edifying things I've ever been part of. That's great. And it really passed past Broadway and they're showing them uh, play Wicked. And so we're bringing goodness straight past <laughs> Wicked. Um, all of that was part of this incredible experience. Well, Father, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Unfortunately, we're losing a significant percentage of what you're speaking because there's a technical problem in the line or something. So I'm going to uh, exit the interview at this time, uh, and we'll see if our staff here can uh, do a, get a stronger uh, connection. But thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, this is – we are – we are really, it's great to see that uh, this movement uh, 
of towards Eucharistic revival is uh, taking place. Things things are happening. People are doing things, and we're still kind of laying the laying the groundwork for it. And it'll climax, uh, we hope, uh, with a Eucharistic Congress in a few years. So we'll, we're trying to stay, uh, trying to follow up with events that are surround this uh, Eucharistic revival, this Eucharistic procession. The good example, and I. I and it's unfortunate we were unable to get, uh, you know, keep the keep the line clear, so you could hear more. But I, I am going to take a moment to go back to this story because I I think the contrast is significant. Um, Father Landry taking the Lord Jesus out of the four walls of the church, you might say, and having him lead procession through the streets of Midtown Manhattan. Truly remarkable. I love the picture. 400 start. By the time they get to St. Patrick's Cathedral, there's a thousand people there. Uh, People are wondering along the way what's going on here. There's uh, music. There's uh, imagery. There's uh, uh, attention is given to the aesthetics of the event so that it helps to breathe uh, reverence into the day, something you don't see on the streets of Manhattan. I think this is just beautiful. Take that and contrast it with this bit of news that we received. I'm not going to make more of it than we know at this time, but I have to agree uh, with Robbie George that there's no—it's hard to imagine any explanation for this appointment that doesn't shock or scandalize. I'm referring, again, to this newest member of the Pontifical Academy for Life, appointed by Pope Francis, uh, and she happens to be an outspoken advocate for abortion rights. Now, you're thinking what I'm thinking. How can that be? How does this make any sense at all? Uh, There was a book uh, that he published, Pope Francis published in 2020, called Let Us Dream, The Path to a Better Future. Uh, She described... uh, economist Mariana Mazzucato's work as not ideological. It moves beyond the polarization of free market capitalism and state socialism. Okay, all that may be all that may be well and good. But how does that how does that work with the Pontifical Academy for Life? Uh, if you don't watch it, everything becomes about life, right? This is one of the shortcomings of the seamless garment idea. It's not that in the abstract it doesn't make sense. It makes sense. But you have to have some boundaries here. So this woman, in her writing, apparently expresses a concern that all of humanity have access to land, to lodging, and labor. Uh, Sounds good. That sounds good. And Yes, I know there are people who say, but those are pro-life issues as well. Uh, yeah, in the big picture, I suppose. But the point is the Pontifical Academy for Life has a mission, a particular mission. It is not just a mission to help with human thriving or to help human flourishing in all instances. We are all for human flourishing, right, in all these areas. Uh, proper use of the land, uh, dignified labor, okay, the sharing of resources, 
All of these things are good because they advance human flourishing. But the Pontifical Academy for Life exists for the particular purpose of advancing the church's mission to protect the unborn and to protect those who are in extreme situations at the end of life. And to all of a sudden ignore the central purpose of the Pontifical Academy for Life in the interest of some broader social justice agenda empties the Pontifical Academy for Life of its reason for existence. They 2017, they allowed a pro-abortion theologian, Nigel Bigger, to be appointed to the Academy. And we're awaiting any kind of reasonable explanation here. But it's either it's scandalous.